Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. We hope that the idea and the concept that God's yes through Jesus, the access we have, the greatest display of that God is for us is found in him. I remember when we kicked it off, we were talking about Jesus in the garden and his life being like an olive press, like being pressed down, that his blood uh, was so perfect and pure and his, the sacrifice gave us access when none of us deserved it. And that's the greatest yes. And so we've built this in and through and for Jesus and been compelled and thinking, uh, all right, a yes should be in color. It shouldn't be dull. It shouldn't just be black and white. There should be variations and vibrance and fragrance of it. And and that, you know, even the imagery, when we were choosing it, we wanted it to feel a little bit loony toony where it's, you know, in the background and then it comes and it's like, boing, you know, it's just like, say yes. Because life has beat the snot out of us, hasn't it? Where we just want to retreat and go home, I'm done, I'm taking my ball, I don't want to play anymore. Remember Space Jam? It's like Jordan's team was getting whooped and I don't want to play against them guys anymore. We hope that you would recognize that God is still inviting you in his team, no matter how many times the world has hurt you. And our expectation for people can't be one that's only reserved for God. But when we let God fulfill his expectation that he set for himself and who he says that he is, that gives us freedom to now have new relationship with each other. And we're not looking for each other to be God. We're, they're an extension of how God works and how he flows. And so that's, that's just a little bit of, of, I guess, the thumbnail of this series and the heartbeat of it. And yeah, and so today is the end of that, but tonight we have the 5 p.m. Um, thank you dream team. We hope that you'll say yes during this series to be a member here, and the dream team is our way of, really, here's what the dream team is. It's our excuse to get connected. It's just an opportunity. We don't really care what we do as much as we care who we do it with. We want to be in relationship with each other, and it helps us belong more. We get past the surface. Some of my favorite moments are when, you know, Ron, you know, you know about his prolific drumming skills, right? I mean, brother Ron can drum. I mean, he can, he can kill it. In fact, Felix, you didn't know this, but Felix, he was in my rap group before I came to the Lord, and he sits over in the 10 o'clock, and he says the reason he sits on this side is because of you, that he can be close to the drums. And I love that. Um, but my favorite moments are not, we don't ever talk about the drum kit. We're talking about life, children relationship, and that frequency and proximity has really, it just ignites my soul. So I love celebrating and come together, <clears throat> all walks of life, and, and then we can separate throughout the week and have our own kind of rhythm, and that's beautiful. But when we come together, we're celebrating Jesus, and that's what City Life is all about. A heartbeat for today is this. We don't have to. We get to. So as you hear kind of a, maybe a, an adventurous pitch, <laughs> Remember this, we don't have to, we get to. And I've titled this, Yes, It Is Worth It. It's worth it. It's worth it. Now, we're going to go to the book of James, and the book of James is, uh, some say it's the first book written in the New Testament, and the author being, uh, most believe that it was Jesus' brother who was not following Jesus when Jesus was alive probably because he just saw him as the brother gig. And he said, I don't know until I really know that he's God that I can devote my life. And that 
It goes on that not only does James, the half-brother of Jesus, devote his life to the risen king, to his brother, if you will, so how much more of a, I guess, convincing, like, beat for us to, to kind of tune into. If James is connected, huh, he knows Jesus behind the scenes. And so he writes almost like the same kind of feel of a pro- the Proverbs, that it's almost very, here's how you apply, here's how you walk through it. And if you aren't careful, especially in America, we can start to read James and think this is how we get into heaven. And in fact, if you're familiar with a little bit of church history, Martin Luther did not believe that the book of James should be included in the Bible because it didn't preach by faith, you know, by grace, that we're doing this thing. That it says that our works, they prove that we're actually saved. And so to break this down, I want to give us kind of a new a framework to, to realize that the book of James is super profitable. In fact, it's so profitable that, that this stuff is written for when people shouldn't want to, to play. They shouldn't want to be invested anymore because they're receiving a lot of persecution for being Christians. How many people know it's easy to be a Christian when we're on the winning side of it? But we're always winning even when we're on the losing side of it by how the world views winning and losing because we've already won. And so what James is writing here is trying to remind us, look, your action matters because you could talk a big game and it's hard for me not to go back to my sixth grade football coach because he's in my mind all the time. We had this big idea that we should be the best team ever. Uh, We were four and two and then eventually my football career ended in ninth grade because I got horse collar tackled from behind and 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 if you know if you're if you're five foot six you 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 don't want to get caught from behind because that means you shouldn't play anymore because you're not the fastest anymore cool connect those dots so I gave up football but it goes back to sixth grade we're four and two and he always says talk is cheap gentlemen talk is cheap and the reason he said that because you can talk a big game but you will get exposed on the field I wonder how many times the world's been watching us. They say, yeah, talk is cheap, Christians. Talk is cheap. We know what you're against. Why don't you just show us what you're for? Why don't you get, why don't you get messy? Why don't you show me? Why don't you let it feel it? And then we can start to get this complex. All right, well, I got to go do a bunch of things, do a bunch of things, because God will be pleased, and I got I to gotta be his representation. Wait, wait, slow down, little buddy. God's got this. He wants to invite you into his team, because we don't have to. We get to. So as we actually gaze upon the reality that we're brand new, action is a natural response. Natural. It's a byproduct. And so uh, I hope that you'll uh, just, just, just see that a little bit. In verse 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Talk is cheap, gentlemen. Talk is cheap. Can that faith save him? If our brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. And I recognize once God makes us brand new, and we can't recognize with the external issues that people face as much, because now, actually, once we get saved, we can clean up pretty good, can't we? We know how to play church really good. We don't necessarily always relate to the person on the corner with the sign, do we? It's difficult. We think, oh, just let me give you money. And I hope they're using it for something good. You know, I wonder why they're even here. And, and we don't know all these things. Just remember, we're that person. And that's 
what grace does. That's what gazing upon the gospel does is it reminds us, wait, we can't just say go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is it that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. Our story is um, one that was launched from, they say, if you follow your tears, you'll find your passion. And for us, for City Life, we, I mean, we, we felt like we couldn't be silent anymore. We had to go deeper in the city in front of us. You know, it, it was a summer, I think 13 or 14, we live right over by Kalamazoo and, uh, and, and uh, Clemens, Aurelius. It, we drive by that all the time on, that, on the east side. East side, any east siders? What's up? East siders, yeah, what? West side? Okay, anyone? North side? Okay. Outside? Come on. We're all, yeah, what's up? Yeah. Okay. Um, but there was a prostitution ring busted right on Kalamazoo Street. And that started to really show us, wait, it's there right in front of your face. Why don't you continue to bloom and go lower? And, and the need was so great. Now, I think when you'll hear part of our story, there's probably two crowds. There's one that says, oh, it's really not for me. I don't fully relate. And, um, but I hope today that you would see that absolutely the city's success affects you no matter where you're at. Even if you live outside the city, very far away, Lansing, we are responsible for because God cares where people are at. And yes, there's problems everywhere, but if you change an epicenter, the city in front of your face, it changes the region. And guess what? We're also a capital city. So we have political, we have GM, we have some major players right here. We got a university here. And so the, the story you'll see is the need, the city, and the belief this first video really captures that, that heartbeat of the tears in us wanting to respond to the call in front of our face. Check it out. We could feel it in our heart. It was time to love the city. We were blown away by situations like the three inner city schools testing in the lowest 5% of the state with over half of African-American boys not graduating. We are in the top 100 cities in the nation for single parent homes and over this past summer there was nine shootings in six days and a prostitution ring busted three miles from our house. All of this was right underneath my nose in the community we live in. It was kind of like a loud signal calling us to go deeper, to step out further and as some would say, where the wild things are. This burden became an unstoppable passion to birth an urban church plant in Lansing to love people right where life exists. You know, thinking back to when I was younger, it's crazy how I was living dangerous on the corner of Jerome and Pennsylvania Avenue, smoking and dealing and wasting my life away. And little did I know then, how ironic, in the same region our family now gets the privilege to love, to use our journey, mistakes to receiving grace, from working in the corporate world to making rap music was all by design to relate, to impact others to point to the one who changes lives and plays perfect music with our broken instruments. Love the city. So that first, that first video is the need, and that's all pre-launch, that's, that's, that's our heartbeat. And we didn't really feel like it was our heartbeat, we felt like we were just now tuning into God's heartbeat. That he was always trying to get closer to things that were broken, and that doesn't mean that you have to 
become broken to help someone, you actually just recognize you're broken the same way they are, no matter if you have things or don't. And so there's going to be people that actually need to get out of the city, and then there's others that need to get in it. And we wanted to create more bridges, if you will, that we wanted to use influence or relationship or uh, organizations, business connects we have, all of these different opportunities of influence that we've had throughout the city to really create bridges that more people could meet each other, serve one another, and respond to this need that, that I think when God hears stats, you know, people will say, you know, everyone has, uh, every, every person has needs, you know, there's sin everywhere. Like, for sure, right? But Jesus recognized that he, if he's going to identify with anyone first, it was those that the kind of system has pushed to the side. That he would be first with people that have a bridge card. That's where he would be first with. He wouldn't say, well, well they, they probably don't want to work or whatever. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How do we know that? I'm grateful that taxes can be paid to help people when they're down and out. We shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, some people don't have the means or the ability to even work. And so we, we've got to kind of think about it differently because as Christians, we're called to connect with people. Not just always say, oh, yeah, there's a need, but... Okay, they got to prove that they can earn my love. So when we look at Jesus, I, I, I've just been so fascinated by how he first starts with those that are forgotten. In the dead-end streets in our city, they're forgotten about sometimes. So whether you live in, you know, Eaton Rapids or Mason, Williamson, you name it, if we're believers, may we use our influence in some capacity to think, how can I help the, 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 the place is forgotten. And even in, you know, I graduated from Mason, and they have these things called trailer parks. And, uh, trailer, man, if you're in the trailer park, you don't want to tell somebody you're from the trailer park. We lived in a trailer park before. I get it. It's, it's not something you're like, yeah, I live in the trailer. I mean, you, you feel the gap. This is how people walk around all the time if they don't have enough money, but even worse yet, if they're, you know, people that are African-American, uh, Mexican, you name it, they walk around with that same feeling all the time, like, man, I don't really fit in. And as the house of God, the need, we're called to close the gap. There's things I can say just from being white that, that somebody else couldn't say, that some of my um, pastor friends that aren't white, they can't say, because people say, oh, you're mad, you're bitter. No, they, what they feel is real. And, and we really believe that city life needed to be bridge builders. And to be bridge builders, you actually have to be aware. You have to acknowledge that there's a gap. There's a reason zoning is done a certain way. There's a reason businesses operate a certain way. There's a reason you can have, you know, headquarters downtown, but no one wants to really live there. <laughs> Go there on the weekends. It's okay. And here's the thing. It's not to give pressure that people should feel that they're less than, that, they, that, that just because if they have an office downtown and they live in, let's say, DeWitt, that they should feel bad. No, no, no. But don't we in some way, as Jesus followers, try to connect the dots? That's it. Not give pressure, but, but to think of what could, it be, what could it look like with passion to love people, to, to let, that we're all in this thing together, that a farmer could teach somebody from Lansing Eastern, and Lansing Eastern can get out and go to the MAC. One time I took a kid that we were tutoring at Lansing Eastern. It was so cool. We went and played basketball at the MAC, and we played ball there. And, okay, there was, so just to give you context, probably 30% of the people were white. And we're playing. He goes, he looks over at me. He goes, I love white people basketball. He was like, I love it here. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what is he talking about? 
And he goes, no one's fighting. And I was like, oh, white people. Oh, because sometimes when you don't have, when you don't have a lot, you're wound a little tight. I get it. Because I remember when I, my parents got divorced, first thing I did, I got suspended in fourth grade. I was fighting. Never got suspended before that. Divorce, boom. Fighting. Because we don't have a lot. And so as believers, what are we called to do? Not look at the symptom. Get close to the root. Let me look past the fruits. I don't know if you remember that from last month. It was like fruit can be deceiving. Get to the root. So that's what the need does. The need is more just a, it's like, oh, there's fruit. How do I get close to the roots? I'm going to get close to the roots. The second video is called The City. In our nation, it seems like in our nation, it seems like the inner city is kind of a forgotten people group or minimized to a case study. Yet cities are the future. People live close to each other and people are what it's all about. See, the city of Lansing is fairly unique. It's the capital city of Michigan with a history of manufacturing and government jobs, GM plants and union workers. It's fairly easy to drive in and out of the city and people come in all week long to work and all too often leave to live in suburban areas and spend their money. Which isn't necessarily bad, it's just left a huge need economically and relationally. Especially now with school of choice, many families with talented students have taken their kids elsewhere. The more we looked around, the temptation was to leave, take opportunities, run from issues, and be in a quiet space and focus on ourselves. But that's just not how God works. He doesn't run, and we can't either. The focus, love people, love the city. We, you know, we named it Love the City, and here's why. We named it Love the City, not Love Our City, and no knock on that. My friend, Pastor Tommy, in Crossover, at Crossover Church in Tampa, they're like, Love Our City. And we were like, yeah, like people love Lansing, but, but I wonder if they know the theological bent the study of that God is actually the author of the city. Let me zoom out. In the garden, God created man, and it was amazing. We're hanging out with him, and he tells us, be fruitful, dominate, be like me, be creators. And I looked at everything I created, and it was good, says God. Then we start to think, okay, because Satan enters the equation with sin and the fall, and there's toil, like that's why we're mad at work. We think that now... Satan's running this show that the city is a reflection of sin subconsciously. Here's, here's how I think this happens. Because we look at the city, and it's easier to see the effects of sin. We say, well, in the city, people get drunk. Or in the city, look, I mean, they got strip clubs. Or in the city, like, you know, they play crazy music. And look at in the city, they, they got these little bird things. And look at, look at these people in the city. And, man, I just want to get out of the city. And I've been around some of these these tears and I've what I've, what's happened to me sometimes is I start to think, yeah, I mean, look at the city. Like, ugh, what is wrong with the city? I want to get out of the city too. And I just pause and think, wait, who's the author of the city? God. Where's their people closer to each other? In the city. Where's God probably trying to set up his shop the most? In the city. Oh my goodness. There's this famous passage, Jeremiah 29. And it's got this verse that we love to put on our fridge. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. I'll paraphrase. I don't know that thing memorizes. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to be good, to dominate, to take over everything, to just put it on your fridge, and you're winning, okay? That's the verse. Everybody loves that verse. We love that verse. I'm a Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm going to claim that promise. I'm going to claim that promise. Okay. Claim the backdrop. God's people taken into captivity 
into a city they don't want to be in. And God tells them, hey, I know you really don't want to be in this city, but I'm for the city. Why don't you start seeking people's interest in their benefit, in their welfare, the whole being on the outside and the inside, because I don't want to just change aesthetically. I want to change people, and I don't care if they believe in me or not. You're the one that represents me in the city, and then you got to see that actually play out, that we're a city set on a hill. And what is the city? What is the true God city? It's people. But where is, what is God into? He's into development, too. So he's for the city. So is he for the suburbs? Yeah. Is he for the farms? Yeah. But is he for the city? Absolutely. And so we do not tolerate the city. The city is not some mission field only for uh, a select pastors. I really think that the, 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 the city is, is a logical play of anyone who believes in God. We have to have some portfolio in the city we're in. There's just no way we can't. First of the Jerusalem in front of our face. Because then in the very ending, so garden at the beginning, and at the end, here we go, here we go. God comes back, and he comes down with a city, a new city, where all tribes, all people, all walks of life will worship him. How do we get close to people that aren't like us? A lot of times, you know where they're at? The city. So I love that city life gets close to people that aren't like us. You know, um, Ryan Gonzalez, he put it this way. He goes, I like city life. It's a place where everyone fits in because no one does. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that's so good. I don't always want, I, I can go fit in every other day of the week. But, but when we come together, this is not segregation, separation. This is about being intimate with people that are made in the image of God. And so the city is not a byproduct of sin. It's actually a product of God's divine design. And so here's our belief. Here's our dream. Check this video out. We believe Lansing is an unlikely catalyst region. The Urban Institute study says Lansing will be one of the fastest growing cities in the nation by 2030. It's like we're being aligned for a prime situation to love. We believe the inner city is filled with opportunities and leaders. We believe a kid struggling may just need a tutor, an ear to listen, or to go play laser tag with the role model. We believe you can shoot hoops at the park and grill a hot dog with your neighbor, and that matters. We believe loving our neighbors is more than a handshake and looks like a snow shovel. We believe in radical generosity and sharing with those in need. The person walking on the street may just need a ride, ask their name, and encouragement. We believe everyone is important and all bear the image of God. The abuse and the addict can change. We believe girls are more than a symbol, should be treated with respect, the sick need hope. We believe there's a dad that never had a dad and God wants to father him and transform him with a new start. And that dad can come back home and man up, rewind that. We believe business owners can empower people with jobs and opportunities. We welcome arts and expressions of personality. The good news changes everything and this is the central source to our life mission. We believe what we read, and we want to see it and live it. Discipleship is more than a class. We are the hands, the feet, the body, seven days a week. We are for the city. I see the rich and poor, old and young, all walks of life gathering. This mission, the city can rally behind. The 517 can come together, and many across the world can partner to launch financially and in prayer this work. All of us working together, playing our part, we must roll up our sleeves, grab our brooms, must put our money where our mouth is, all of this driven by how he first loved us. Therefore, my wife, our five kids, this dream team being built, and myself, 
will go into the city with love. Join us as we love the city. It was just a pipe dream then. I remember so many times we got told, you can't ever start a church in the city. What are you guys doing? You need to start it outside, get a bunch of money, then you can go inside. And we're like, oh, so see people as a case study? Is that what you mean? I just believe that you could, you could go where no one else would. People would say where the wild things are. That's where God wants to reach. He told us one thing. He said, go to the places that no one wants to go. Go find the people that no one wants, and I'll give you the ones everyone wants. And we started to, we started to feel that and believe that, and we started to recognize that's actually us. That's us, unlikely candidates to be doing what we're doing, and we're going to keep fighting for that. We, it's not about the, the, the numerical growth. It really is about um, fighting for connection, for all walks of life to experience God and do that together and be intentional towards that. There's freedom to, to walk through hurts and pain and, and experience those in, in, in safe settings and in city life, some people at one time, someone said to me, they said, oh, city life's like Navy SEALs. And you guys are so intense. And my heart was like, oh, oh, like, we're Navy SEALs? Have you read about any of the leaders in the Bible? I feel like sometimes we're not even doing anything. Because if you look at Jerome Edward Veerling, we're not that good of an example. Look at Jesus and his followers. Wow. James, eventually it cost him his life, you know, to be martyred for something. It's because they believed that when Jesus got the victory, there was no more sting of death. So our belief, that that always chokes us up every time we hear it because that's laced with um, all of those sentences have been crafted to, to, to retranslate biblical truths. Because how people hear it is, is really important. How they experience it is really important. And, and we recognize we needed to speak less Christianese to get, get close to people of what, where Jesus wanted to be. And so that video represents all of that. It represents the belief of saying yes when it didn't seem likely. If you're a Christian, you've been here for a while or whatever, um, God's might be calling you to come closer and get past the nosebleed seats. And just get, get a little closer. Maybe you're not ready to get on the bench. It's fine. Um, but dream again. Believe again. It's possible. You know, the next two months, we're going to get really holy and reverent. The Feel Good series, they're always fun. You know, it's like, God loves you. He's for you. Look at it. Ah, oh, yes. The action stuff is, ah, oh, because it really shows us where I don't want to go. I'm done. You know, no done playing i hate people like i empathize with that position deeply my anger before i came to jesus was really high i I was so wound tight that if someone looked at me wrong it's just instantly like what are you looking at that kind of vibe which you shouldn't do that at my size for the record like but i had kind of that tupac gene in me i just like what like you know i'm saying it's just like i mean it was serious like i i remember having very bad anger and crystal would meet people in um our journey being married and people would say stories about me and she she goes wow i just can't see it and i'm like wow god is that good anybody relates and i'm not where i want to be but i'm sure not where i was and so i hope that 
wherever you're at on that journey, that God's still doing it um, in you. I want to share a story publicly for the first time ever. It's a crazy one that you're going to think I'm nuts and Crystal's amazing. But uh, we had our twins, and Kingston couldn't breathe uh, on his own that, that well, and so he needed more oxygen or whatever. And so he's the older of the twins. And so when we found out we were having twins, it was quite shocking to us because it was right when we were going to have the church plant. So we thought four kids would be faith. Everyone's always like, you know, you see five kids, you think first thing to ask, are you having more? It's like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a joke to smaller families. And, and then for the bigger families, they're trying to recruit you in. Like, we have nine. We have nine. And we never identified with nine. I'm just going to say that right now. We never identified. And here's why. So we, we find out we're having twins. It's not a happy experience. As, as crazy as that sounds, I know some people haven't been able to have children and lost children, and, and, and for real, my heart goes out to that, but the last thing we were dreaming about was twins, and um, four was faith for us, and we knew planting a church and having a kid, what are we thinking, and then we go to the hospital, they can't find a heartbeat, so we're there on a Friday night, and the, the technician says, you don't have one heartbeat, you have two what? Crystal starts bawling. I don't talk for an hour. The lady's concerned about me. She says, are you okay? And, uh, and, I, and, and, I, and I, she was my therapist in that moment. I said, I'm just thinking, how do you stay married? Who wants to hang out with someone with five kids? Um, you know, I just started to vision this for real. And Crystal didn't talk about it for a couple weeks. We were not that, we just, we weren't ready for it, but we realized four was faith. We thought, but five was God laughing. Like, ha you thought you could do it. Watch, you're going to need me. And so not only did we have the twins, we planted the church, but when we had the twins, one of them's in the ICU. Twins should never be separated. That's it's totally bad. But ICU, I mean, kids are at very frail states. Humbling experience. The NICU, newborn intensive care unit. You wash your hands for seven minutes just to, you know, touch your child, and you're touching it through this little device. And Crystal couldn't go up there because she had a C-section. So I was the only one that could go up there. And we needed to have a perfect birthing experience because I was supposed to go to Church Planters uh, Convention, the last thing to actually plant City Life in time, or we would have had to wait another year. And this, they only scheduled two of them a year. And this was the one we were on. We had to be on. And so Rob G. and I playing bass, worship leader. Um, we got to leave tomorrow, and our son's up in the NICU. I said, Crystal, there's no way I can leave. Stayed up all night. You know, we're going up, loving the child. She goes, you got to go. We got this dream. You got to go. I'm like, anyone who hears I left my child in the NICU to plant a church, if it works, maybe they'll understand. If it doesn't work, I mean, I think somebody might call the police on us, you know? And so I call my pastor. He's like, hey, ask Crystal. What does she feel? And so I really remember submitting the dream and just saying, Crystal, what do you think? And I wasn't prepared to say yes in that moment. And there's been many times I am for sure guilty for forcing her to get in the car and just saying yes, which is where we're going, babe, you know? And it's been bad. <laughs> I can expound later. Um, it's been real bad. But the short of it is, Crystal said, you're going to go. This is our dream. And she looked at me and she goes, Ashley's here. She's going to help. It's fine. She prayed over me and we left and we felt the power of God. And I remember being at church planner school and they said this. They said, God's dream is not yours. Um, it's his. And your dream is connected to people 
And when they meet you and they hear this dream, their lives are going to come alive because it gives language to the thing they're longing to do. And so don't ever think, Pastor, that the dream is yours. It's just as much somebody else's. They're just not on your team yet. And what's so crazy about that is I've seen because of that yes, that crystal made, crystal made, to make it possible, that it made it possible for us to even be here today. And obviously it took God's yes first, but I say that to say the yes was never about a family that we would watch, oh, the Veerlings with five kids. It was about a family that's way bigger than me, way bigger than you. And when we say yes to City Life, really that's what we're saying yes to. And so hope I, that breathes passion back into you to think a little differently. Because a vision from God is, yeah, you can cheer for that. A vision for God, from God is one to be stewarded, not credited. I think, I think the reason people are still shocked, they're like, wait, so you left the baby? You left the baby? How? Look, it's not easy. I don't know how else to put it. Like, I want to do this Jesus gig thing. Cool, we're inviting you into the pain. <laughs> yeah, do we got fear? Absolutely. Is there times of worry? Yeah, is there doubt? Oh, my goodness. This is crazy, but we want to live the game. We want to be the man in the arena. We have to, and we're going to have to pick each other up sometimes. Yeah, oh, but it's so much better to live a life with risk, calculated risk, okay? I called my pastor, remember? I'm justifying my case. I called my pastor. I asked Crystal. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I'm going to get an email later. (laughs) Pastor, I just want to make sure we're safe. <laughs> and I could go. I, there's, this is really like a 50 part message. I, I would love to just, I'd love to just sit and talk to you about this forever. I'd love to tell you stories about Tim Delaney in, De- in Detroit, where um, they took a church and they, it was an old strip club, and they, and they, and they took it over there, and uh, they would have interns fly from all over the nation to be a part of it. And these, these parents would call and say, can you promise me my kid's going to be safe? And he says, I'll never promise you uh, my, your kid will be safe, but I can tell you this, front lines in the, in the battle for God is safer than sitting on your couch. You know? And I'm like, yeah! I remember hearing those stories and something was in me. Something was in me. Something is in you. I know there's something in you. You might not have to do everything, but what is the something, someone, the one thing God wants you to do? Like, what is that? What is that? Um, That's it. And I think it's difficult to pray, really, God, how would you want me to be involved? Here I am, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. That prayer never, never stops. So you don't have to do everything, please. This is not a pitch of pressure. In fact, I love this um, story of this interaction where there's this real wealthy person Definitely somebody you want to recruit for your church, okay? Good looking, wealthy, a lot of friends. Jesus interacts with them. We pick up the story in Matthew 19. It says, Jesus said to him, if you would to be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor. Parentheses, you do not have to sell everything to be um, close to Jesus. But Jesus, he's the master of knowing this. He knows those places in your heart that you hold. And he's so good. He doesn't ask for you to open up the hand because he's trying to hurt you. Actually, he's trying to heal you. He's the master surgeon. He's so good like that. Give it to the poor. And here he gives a promise. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Follow me. What a pitch. Say yes. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. 
I think it's easy to identify with the next crowd, but I would challenge us first to identify with the young rich ruler. What are those places in our life that if Jesus asked for them, we'd have a tough time giving over? For me, sometimes it's even thinking about my family to remember they're God's first. I love, yeah, he wants me to steward it, but they're not mine. And I realize that pretty more parents, control freaks, any of them, me, hashtag insert myself. You can't control your children, can you? God kind of builds sanctification in this process, doesn't he? And there's the second crowd. Check this crowd out. Then Peter said in reply, so here you have Peter, um, not the young rich ruler, the second tier of people that are unlikely to be following Jesus. We've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus said, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, everyone who has left houses, brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my namesake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Before we started City Life, here's what God told us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So in other, other words, this, Jerome, you're not in charge. I am. Let me lead. Relinquish all authority. Give it up and let me lead. To say yes, here, 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 here's where we land the plane. To say yes, you won't always know what and you won't always know where, but you'll know who is with you. Jesus is with you and, and, and many times he'll give you people to be with you, but you won't always know what you're gonna do and you won't always know where. And so that's why it would be, it, it really wouldn't be that sound if I just walked you through the brochure, which by the way, you got the brochure? <laughs> You can see the brochure, you can see the different options. That's created there so that you can have a clear kind of path to run. But but don't think that that's how you, that's how you inherit new life. It's not. You inherit new life by losing everything and you find that freedom in Jesus. And then naturally when you're letting him lead you and love you, now you want to act. It's this beautiful, beautiful um, rhythm. It's a byproduct. In fact, here's where I would love for us to be motivated. To be motivated in uh, 1 John 4.19. We're going to go all the way to the end there. There's a quote that Josh Block sent me last week. It said, burnout, worn out, often comes from ministry born out of pressure instead of love. And here's where I want to get back. Okay, I'm, I'm passionate. I'm a, I'm a preacher. I'm a, I love getting loud. I love sports events. I can also be quiet. You name it. But, I, but one thing I'm convinced of is do not think that you don't have passion in you because your passion needs to look like mine. Absolutely not. You have passion in you. It looks a little differently, but here's how you activate it. This is how you activate the passion to really let you know that you can do this thing, that you're, that you're alive. It's to remember 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us us yes is he laying down yes i'm laying down why is he laying down because i'm trying to show you something and what i'm trying to show you is this you can't get up and act until you just receive love 
Don't join the dream team to try to earn love. Don't play church to try to get Jesus' attention. He's already looking at you. Don't feel pressure and persuasion that you have to commit to something that you're not ready to. But we're so convinced as we've stared at his love and we see him just looking at us like, oh, I believe in you. Oh, I love you. Oh, I forgive you. Like, what? What kind of love is this? Does he know what I did? Yeah, I remember what you did and I knew what you were going to do and I knew your intentions. No, I'm a sinner. No, come here. You're a saint because of my sacrifice. Oh, one of the hardest things for me to receive is a compliment. And that's why I know that there's nothing in this world that I long for the same as God's approval because he always gives me a compliment. You know what he always says? I love you. You're my son. I believe in you. What do you want me to do? I love you. You're my son. I believe in you. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? I love you. You're my son. I believe in you. Oh, I get it now. And then out of that, I just start doing. For real. It happens every time. It's not an equation. It's not a checklist. So this series is really about remembering that we don't have to, we get to. We don't have to, we get to. And yes, it is worth it. It is really worth it. Same way we started the series is really the same way we're going to end. Because of what Jesus did, we can say yes. His sacrifice is beautiful, it's perfect. That it is finished. When we say, like, hallelujah, you have conquered death. Anyone ever felt that fear when you think of dying? What that fear is, is because you know you're going to stand face to face before an almighty God and we're not going to be able to tell him all the stuff we did, all the talk is cheap stuff. No, no, we're going to be able to just say, I trusted in your son. And that's where that freedom comes. That's why it says, oh, death, where's your sting? Where's your sting? You have no more power over me. I push through fear because perfect love casts out fear. I push through worries because I know that you're leading. I push through trust and control because I trust you, the one who is in control. I trust through trying to know everything and figure out everything if my kid's in the NICU, but I trust you that you put us on this journey and that you're working through my wife's voice in this moment and we're going to go drive to Birmingham, Alabama and come back with a dream that, that God would want to love this city one life at a time. Yeah? That's what he'd want to do, yeah. And so we're going to close and we're going to go big here's how we're going big. We're going to go big looking at Jesus' yes for us. That he has conquered death for you. Do you believe it? It's hard to receive sometimes. The beautiful thing of the Christian rhythm is we don't ever force it. We're just connected to the one who can do everything. It's that cool. Let's worship. If you feel comfortable standing, if you want to pray for somebody, that's fine. If you want to come up front, that's cool. Um, do something. Just do something that's a little different. Maybe sing with the words. Get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.